Hey, kids, please cooperate and do your part in keeping this theater quiet so everyone, including you, can enjoy. What's going on, my guy? What was that? I was clicking the pen really fast on my notepad. Okay. So, welcome, first and foremost, to Cue the Banter podcast. Yeah, 2.0, the resurgence, the reboot. Um, it's still about cues, in a way. Still about, and about banters. Of course, it's still about banter. Um, banter, as you know, very important. Um, my name is Nick. Uh, my name is Jared. So, what is going on? A lot. We, I mean, it's been been almost a month since we did our post Oscar episode. I feel like the beginning of this episode could serve as its own, you know, one of our current banter episodes because a lot has happened since that. Yeah, um, a lot. There's been movies that have come out. A there, lot of trailers have come out. There's been trailers. There's been casting news. Um, Dune has added everyone you've ever seen in a movie before. Nice. Can't wait. Christopher Nolan has added um, um, a cast to his movie that no one knows what it's about. In in classic Chris Nolan fashion. It's uh, it's like being billed as like, oh, it's a blockbuster. It's like, oh, wow, really? Oh, Christopher Nolan making a blockbuster. That's weird. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so like... What what's what's come out? We've I mean, there's been a we had a, a, the Irishman teaser just today. Once upon a time in Hollywood trailer came out. We've had the Avengers Endgame was probably the final trailer was just released, and yep. also Game of Thrones released their season trailer. So Stranger Things season three got a trailer today. Oh really? I didn't actually watch that one. I saw I saw a still of it though. There you I saw go. A still from it. Yeah. Close enough. Yeah. Um. Captain Marvel came out and blew away. Uh, I think expectations were high, but I don't think they were uh, as high for what it's done. It looks like it's going to be close to a billion. Yeah. Worldwide gross when it's done. Yeah. Side side note real quick, I might add. Um, Obviously, now that you're in California and I'm in New Jersey, we're recording this via FaceTime, and you are completely frozen. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're moving to me, so I'm sure hopefully I'll, I'll come back. Uh, still working on how, how to do this. Uh, we are, I'm, I'm looking at new microphones I'm going to buy, and hopefully the sound quality on this podcast will, will improve as time goes on until we are again recording in the same room. But uh, what were your thoughts on Captain Marvel? How did you feel about it? Uh, I loved it. Loved it. I yeah, love. I, mean, I loved it. Yeah. Which I, I thought it was. Go ahead. I thought it was good. I. I mean, I. It did have crazy expectations, so I was like, I'm not sure where I expected it to fall in like terms of my ranking of how those movies are, but I think it's still. I think it exceeded my expectations a little bit. Um. I thought the. I thought the middle act of that movie was absolutely perfect. Yeah. Um. It exceeded my expectation on it. You know, it wasn't. Um, I don't know. I was. I was fucking pumped. Yeah, I really was. Um, it was. Yeah, like I was excited to go see it. I'm like, let's go see this movie. Um, 
I've seen, a, I mean, it's been a bunch in a row of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films that I've seen in the theater, so might as well keep it up with Captain Marvel. Then there was that whole, like, weird backlash on it. Um, yeah. People were like, don't go see Captain Marvel because they hate us, which was only only white men were saying this. Um, and so I was like, let's go see it. Let's Let's help it make more money to make these people angry. But like leaving the theater, I was, I was, yeah, I was pumped up. Yeah. I was all for it. I'm all for it. Um, I think afterwards, Kevin Feige has said that uh, after Ed, Endgame going forward, um, Captain Marvel will kind of be like the the leader of everything going forward as far as where Iron Man was at the start of the MCU. It's going to be Captain Marvel's now, which I'm 100% on board for. Yeah, I think I think that'll that'll do well. Um, and you know, we ran a poll. I did a poll before leading up because I started to do a lot of polls on the Twitter account just to kind of see what people wanted us to record. I, I I want us to do a hopefully do an Avengers Endgame episode with some with some friends of ours on there. And I was thinking, okay, maybe we can pair it with a with another episode. And I polled a couple different ones. Mm-hmm. I pulled the Dark Knight, Wonder Woman. Winter Soldier, which is a favorite of yours, especially, it's also a favorite of mine, and then other, and a lot of people reply it. But also, I mean, so Dark Knight overwhelmingly won that poll. But I also think maybe Captain Marvel could be a good episode that we can do. That was I, I did that poll before seeing that movie, and I once I saw it, I, I thought maybe it could be a a good idea for an episode. And I, I've had people ask me about Captain Marvel as a possible episode, so that something maybe we can consider doing. Yeah, uh, I think that'll. I think it's um, it's it just every everything before it came out was just like a, a it was just a headache, just because like the internet ruins everything. Mm-hmm. No one's ever happy. It's it's like um, so it was like kind of a mess before it came out. It was like you know there was oh this is going to be a flop. It's going to be the new Incredible Hulk, which you know nobody saw right. or cares about anymore. Um, right. And it, for me, was the total opposite. I thought it was a great origin story. I thought it was, it, it did everything it was supposed to do. And uh, Captain Marvel is awesome. Yeah. I think that's probably, if I think one of our main, our most said thing about any movie or TV show is <laughs> does what it's supposed to do, which isn't a bad review. But I feel like I, I remember listening back to the Oscar episode. I feel like we said that about multiple different performances. But I think you're right. I think it was. I think it did an excellent job on, on the, what it set out to do. I do have some issues with like the beginning of it and some parts in the beginning. But like I like I said, that middle act to me is one of the best um, parts of any Marvel movie I've seen. Other Marvel news: James Gunn is back. Oh yeah, I forgot. That's a big one. Yeah. Which, which we, that we. We talked about that on on this podcast. Yeah, we talked about it. Uh, it was like a current banter episode. That was like we talked about the new casting of Bond and who was going to direct it. Blah blah blah. blah. Um, I I think um, it sounds like Disney's been talking to him in the back for like a little bit now. Yeah, I mean, I think. Well, the thing is, they kept asking, "When is this movie? When is it going to come out?" And they kept saying, eh, pro- "They kept saying it's going to be a while." We're going to use this script. It's going to be a while. And it sort of just felt like they don't, I mean, they don't really, at the very least, don't have a plan to hire anyone else. Yeah, there was, it never seemed like they were ever um, 
trying to come up with somebody else to to take over. Yeah. So, I mean, we've talked multiple times about how we feel the Galaxy movies, specifically the last one, and I'm I mean, there's no one else that can make these movies. I think it it's the right decision. Thankfully, uh Disney Disney made it. Which I mean, all they did was he was off of that and got hired to do a Suicide Squad film, so yeah, which I haven't heard any news of him leaving that yet. Like that hasn't been a thing. No, no. So that could be we can get we get two for the price of one. Yeah, two, like I mean, two James Gunn movies. But we'll see. I mean, I, I think it's the most important thing is he's back with Guardians. Um, but yeah. yeah, so I'm not the Suicide Squad. Blah, Suicide Squad. Um, that movie blows. <laughs> I hate everything about it. I don't know why they're doing another one. I mean, it's like it's it. I like that they were like, "Oh, this he, he did Guardians of the Galaxy. He can he can work with a group of people and bring them together." But then it was like, uh, "No one knows what's going on with Jared Leto." Uh, Will Smith backed out. Ben Affleck's not Batman anymore. They're making a standalone Joker film. It's DC's yeah, all over the place. Anything that's not Wonder Woman is a nightmare for DC. I mean, we'll see how Shazam does. Well, Shazam, uh, yeah, up. people are liking Shazam. I mean, there were people yeah. that were liking Aquaman, but as far as like the cohesiveness of everything, yeah, it's a it's a nightmare. Yeah, they're they're they are well, terrible. Well, because they rushed they rushed into it. They rushed it. They did okay. Let's like the Avengers is already like coming out with Infinity War, the third installment for the Avengers, and they're just like let's rush and get to the Justice League. Now you have movies like Wonder Woman, which is her origin story does a great job aquaman was popular shazam is popular maybe down the line you could bring those heroes together kind of like marvel did i think they rushed into it initially and it sort of got chaotic uh whereas now they're kind of getting standalone films to to track a little bit better yeah yeah they they definitely um they definitely rushed into it i mean like without a doubt it was just like a it was like a big it was a big panic um yeah but as you can tell from the last, you know, from the first uh, 10 minutes of this episode, we were talking about our favorite TV shows. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, so we've, we've like I said, we ran a lot of polls recently. Um, still trying to find our footing and kind of how we want to go about changing this. I think what we decided on was we're going to uh, do, do little mini series in different segments. So we'll poll with you, with our, like our followers on social media about different, um, ways to do different episodes are we're going to launch our first mini series following this episode, which is our top or our favorite episodes of TV all time. Uh, but we figured we'd start it uh, with a little episode about our favorite TV shows. Yeah, of all I, mean, time. I think that's the right way to go. Talk about what, uh, you know, um, go over our favorite TV shows and then we can kind of get into deeper like why. What are the pivotal episodes that kind of led us in this direction? Um, it just gives us more uh, more shit to record. Is really what it boils down to. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's the main thing for us. So I got, we did a bunch of different polls. I think a lot of it is just figuring out what episodes work better as a single standalone episode, where we maybe pick five five things to talk about, like five. You know, like five top five Marvel films for us. That would be good as one episode or yes. film scores. That'd be a single episode. But stuff like, um, like Best Picture losers would be better served as doing a miniseries where we focus on 
individual movies across maybe five or six different episodes. We pick a couple of ours or we even poll with Twitter to see what they think would be good uh, movies to talk about. Which and I, then, yeah, that, that one, yeah. I'm, that one I'm looking forward to because I mean, uh, depending how far back you go, um, I think like uh, you, you get a lot of the stuff surrounding it and you can see how things have aged. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's basically what we've done kind of with, we've done Oscar episodes where we looked back what I think 2014 and looked at those. Yeah. Yeah, what, what would we have changed? It was kind of like a, a five-year check-in. Yeah, and I think those episodes have gone really well. So I think going along that formula is something we're going to do. But uh, very much hoping that some of these movies and TV shows, if you haven't seen them and we're recording to talk about them, we hope you add them to your queue and you know you can listen to us banter on about them. Uh, but there's a couple. I mean, there's a couple I'm excited to do. A couple of these different miniseries. I think the idea of doing maybe a director's masterpiece uh, thing, kind of maybe pull like filmmakers like Scorsese, Tarantino, Spielberg. Uh, everyone just kind Spielberg. of put out like what, what, what do you think is their quintessential movie? And I think a cool little series on that might be might be something fun. But uh, yeah, I, I think the most important thing is um, giving making it so that we have more content, more things to record about. Um, not that we were put in a box before, but when we got to the end of every episode and added something to each other's queue, it was kind of like, it felt pressured. Okay, I got to have time to sit down. Let me watch this. Let me make sure I can digest it so we can go on and we can talk about it in length. And I think that we felt, we felt that uh, everything flowed better when we had kind of an episode where it was all shit that we've, we've already watched. Um, and just kind of, you know, it didn't feel as formal, which I don't want to feel formal. No, I'd rather just sit back, uh, talk about some movies, you know, not be too concerned about what the exact plot is. Just talk about parts of the movies we liked. Uh, I think in these little five, uh, piece episodes, we'll, we'll dive less into the plot and spoiler territory. And we'll just talk about things, aspects of the show that we like different seasons, how we compare those to other seasons, stuff like that very much on the surface. So like, if you're, if you're listening now and you haven't seen any of the shows we end up picking, don't worry, we're probably not going to go into, um, any big sort of spoilers. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to try and stay away from spoiler territory. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, we'll discuss when we're going to release our, you know, our list of episodes, our favorite episodes of TV before we start recording. So that way you have a chance to watch those episodes. And then uh, in those episodes, the specific single episodes will probably uh, dive deeper into plot and, and what actually happens. So we would like for you to listen or watch those before you listen in. But this one is uh, sort of the kickoff for it. We're going to do top, our, our favorite TV shows, uh, keeping them in drama drama territory we're not gonna yeah we'll stay away we'll stay away from sitcom because i think like sitcom can be really interesting um really uh another something else that's interesting that we could we could delve into um yeah we can we can bookend maybe do this episode do drama do our favorite tv episodes and then close it off with a, a comedic yeah version of this it doesn't episode. have to be a sitcom just you know that kind of like comedic half hour format because i think that there's a lot um there's a lot of old stuff that I really love and there's a lot of new stuff that's coming out now that I think is, uh, you know, like when you look down the road, I think these are going to be some of the shows that are that are talked about and reminisced upon. So I think without further ado, we will get into 
our top five favorite TV shows? In no particular order. These aren't ranked in any sort of way. We're just going to go in sort of based on what we each had ranked in our in our favorite favorite shows. So um, we're going to start with a small one. Yeah, small of, small show. Not a lot of people have seen. Game of Thrones, a little indie, a little <laughs> indie series. <laughs> Which no, I, 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 you know, for your, there's so much to say about Game of Thrones. Um, it's the biggest show in the world. The final season's coming up. Uh, I think the viewership numbers are insane on it. Uh, the fact that they've created such a spectacle for television is mm-hmm. is certainly uh, something to be proud of. Um, now, I, I started Game of Thrones. I was actually watching. I was at college, and we had watched uh, Homeland. And at the time, there was only two seasons. Finished that. And I'm like, okay, best TV shows. And everything I looked up at that time said Game of Thrones, which at this point had only had two seasons. Okay. So I was I was late to the party. Um, I was like, yeah, let me, let, you know, I don't know. That whole, the, the, definitely that, that kind of fantasy genre is not my thing. No, it was always more of my thing. I loved like the Lord of the Rings movies, and that was basically that was your selling point for me to watch it. Yes, exactly. Um, and but, I was hesitant. I didn't get into it until probably season four, which that's crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely crazy. So, so um, I remember I sat and I watched the first episode, and I was like, "Okay, this is there's some this is some shit." Um, I told the intern. She should watch it. And then we blew through the first two seasons like in a weekend. Um, oh, wow. And then from then on, I've pretty much been up to date except for I forget what season it was. What season's coming was, out now? The 8th? The 8th. You were you were not up to date. On the 6th. I was season 5. Was it 5? Uh, it was season it was, yeah, season 5 you were not up to date on. I mean, you might have it might have been with 6. I remember very specifically based on what happens towards the end of – uh, that season, which I mean, I'm not giving anything away. There's something that big that happens at the end of every season. Yeah, didn't fucking um, A Rod ruin it at the ESPYS? Yes, fuck yeah. Him. So if- <laughs> yeah, I hadn't yeah. watched it, and I was trying to stay away from spoilers. So it was I'm you know waiting to catch up, and then I don't know some big I don't know A Rod had some joke at the ESPYS that were on, which I was not watching. Yeah, and it was just happened to be on, and he just <laughs> spoiled it, and I was furious. Um. Yeah. Took me a little bit, so I got you know I I caught up on everything and it was yeah. okay. But um, I, I just think that I just think that the the scale of the show, the following the show has, it's kind of like I don't know if I've ever had anyone that says I I didn't like Game of Thrones. There are people that go, I'm not going to watch it. I'm not into dragons and whatever. Right. But I mean, for the most part, it's it's one of the most. I mean, you look up, like it's one of the most interactive, almost like shows we've ever had. I think now the shows come out, and I remember when Westworld first came out for HBO. I was like, this could end up being the like the follow up to it for HBO, where people HBO's new in. Game of Thrones, right? And it it hasn't panned out that way as much as maybe it was supposed to. But like Game of Thrones is, it's always an event each night. Game yeah, of Thrones that's... is on. Yeah, and we've always we've had a cool little tradition where we would uh, out by the fire during the summer, make a make a campfire, sort of deal, and the, bowl in the yeah, 
like a bonfire and put the TV outside and we'd watch an episode each season. We did that for like three or four seasons in a row. Yeah, and, have some have some drinks and do it. I I now with like Westworld, the thing is like the second season of Westworld, I enjoy it. I don't understand it. I'm not going to say that I fully got everything like watching it the first time. So I think yeah. more of that like kind of crowd, like think of Twitter, the live tweeting of it was kind of like what the fuck more than yeah, yeah, with that show, it's more it's more specifically uh, angled towards people who like to be confused by stuff, people who like to try and solve what's going on. Where Game of Thrones is, has a more, even though it's a fantasy, it has a more universal appeal to it because it's not like trying to trick the audience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas Westworld, the first season, it did that. It did a good job of that. And I think, I think a lot of, I mean, a lot of people on Reddit, Reddit threads, like sort of caught on to it and guessed pretty much everything all the big twists that happened and i think they maybe it's the season two were trying harder to confuse people so that kind of affected it a little bit yeah but i think yeah, i think if they were trying to confuse people more in season two they succeeded yeah but it also turned people away uh where game of thrones has only grown it's only grown in its its follower base throughout the seasons i think it's uh i mean it got it's it got better every season. I know from the, at least from the beginning. Uh, what would you say your favorite season of Game of Thrones is? My favorite season is um, I want to say it might be season five. I'm I'm looking up the episodes right now in the seasons okay. to 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 figure it out. The other thing that Game of Thrones did was like you know uh, it's not afraid to kill characters off. So I think that's so. The show works better because when someone gets in a situation and you're like, oh, there's no way out of this, there usually isn't a way out of it. Right. And what I think the show also did, because obviously that can, if you keep doing it, keep surprising people by who you take off, it's going to either get expected or it's going it, to, you're going to run out of character. So I think what the show kind of did as it grew on, it used that to its advantage and maybe the surprise was that people, ended up succeeding in a way rather than uh being killed off yeah it, it kind of keeps you it keeps you guessing um yeah and what's what's cool about it is it like they can bring up something in season one that doesn't get resolved until season six like something is just mentioned offhand and then we don't hear about it till later on and then finally we find out how big it and how important something that seems so small in the beginning turned out to be uncle benjamin yeah, I mean, Uncle Benjamin is obviously not to get too much into it, but that that that's just a thing. That's a thing. That's it's a small thing. That's kind of like oh, this in like season three, and you don't hear anything else on it for like three seasons. So it's it's uh, no, I like that. It's like definitely, it's definitely like it's big. It's robust storytelling. Um, one of the I know I've seen people kind of talk about oh, uh, with like the last season, the seventh season was, oh, they're sacrificing the storytelling for the spectacle. Um, because it's a sl it's weird. It's Every season has its episodes that keep you on the edge. You see, you know, the, the great episodes. Like I think of uh, Hard Home in season five. Um, it have these big episodes. But really when you go back and watch it, it's kind of like, oh, this thing, they finally resolved this thing that started four seasons ago. This storyline yeah, is finally moving on, and it'll be dead. You won't even talk about that 
for you know for 20 episodes which is mm-hmm. insane um right so now as you're coming to the end you're kind of getting more action more everything's becoming more com- uh more compact yeah everyone's coming together sort of um i think the big i mean i think the biggest problem with season 7 um it's probably why I rank it lower on my list of seasons. Uh, is, I mean, yeah, the, the storytelling. I wouldn't say it took a backseat. I wouldn't say it, like faltered trying to focus more on the spectacle. I think, I think they were trying to get to a certain point towards the end of season seven to set up the final season, and perhaps they rushed to it in some areas. But I think season eight isn't gonna gonna um, falter in any way i think season seven did what it did it sped up got to a certain point in the show and i think it set it was mostly for the benefit of season eight season eight yeah will well, prosper because of it which i mean it gets to a point where um you're in the show for you know for six seasons and it's like oh they're finally picking up in the seventh um which i was fine with because it like i mean you could say maybe the structure of the story wasn't as strong as it was in earlier seasons but, I mean, this is, like, shit that you've been waiting for. Right. So, like, to finally get there for a lot of a lot of storylines in this show were, were satisfying. Because it's, like, I've been fucking... Yeah. I've been waiting five years for something like this to happen. And here it is. So, um, that's what I think is... That's what I think is special about it. Is even people who go, oh, I've never watched it before. Um, I'm going to start now. Like, I've seen a bunch of Twitter threads... Like, oh, all right, I'm finally doing it. I'm going to get into it. And kind of seeing the reaction as the, as they go along in the show. Um, you know, it. I guess the show works on a binge level also. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Because even then, you still kind of get... It's still a slow burn, and then it's like, boom. Here right. we go. Big story. But I think, slow, yeah. slow, slow. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think, But I also think it works better on a week-to-week level just because of the the, the anticipation of people that watch it exactly there's so much anticipation so i think it's good that people like it isn't a show that i can really imagine watching after it was all done i like i'm glad i got into it i know I got yes into it. i agree like, with you so like i i watched the first three seasons and then a month later season four was coming out and i got to look forward to it and i got to watch it live and i think every season is so was had after that had been so fun to watch and anticipate each episode. Yeah, that this is definitely one of those things where like I think of like Twitter, like the 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 timeline while the show is on is insane. Yeah. It's you know, it's it it's constant. It's it's hilarious. It's just I don't know, getting the reactions of multiple different people at one time. This is a show that's it's really it's perfect for it. Yeah, and, and and that's like we haven't even really even dove into any big aspects of it. I mean, the writing of the show is absolutely incredible. You talked about the deep story, but even just like the dialogue that they are able to come come up with, it's it's kind of disguised as a fantasy show where it's really just about like um, it's like a political power yeah balance and fight, and that's what it's really down to. It's really. It's a. It's about people sitting. To, it's about people talking to each other, but it's sort of almost disguised as a, as a fantasy drama. Yeah, I get that. I get yeah, that. It, and like, that's what I love about. It. Like some of my favorite scenes in the show, are two people sitting down, talking about something. Yeah, they don't. I don't think anything's wasted as far as, 
as far as you know dialogue spectacle um even look at the special effects on the show the, you know what i mean the the acting is good mm-hmm. um except for jason momoa who i mean he his character doesn't have much to do right but i, I don't know he doesn't speak English. It's just Jason Momoa going the whole time. So that's like that's the literally the only acting aspect of the show that I've ever had a problem with. Right. Well, I mean, I don't think I have a problem with him acting in the show, but I think if you go outside the show, you think, okay, well, what can this guy actually do outside of this? Because it's not, but he doesn't do much in, in Le- Game of Thrones. Yeah. But no. No. That's like I always said. It was like literally the worst resume ever. Yeah, I grunted in this. Yeah, this like one movie. like even like this one show. it's like oh Aquaman. Like I had seen Justice League, terrible. I don't like it at all. Oh, man. Yeah, but like then it was like oh he's gonna carry a whole movie. I'm like there's no way. Yeah, there's no I way. Mean, I have no hope yeah. for this movie. Right, and it actually, I mean, I think it did better than either of us expected. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, yeah, I mean the, the acting's incredible. They've had nominees. Every single year, Peter Dinklage has won. Yep. Lena Headey is incredible. Um, and they, as it's gone on, they've gotten bigger and bigger actors to come in and play smaller roles. Like Ian McShane played a small role in the yep. show. They had Jonathan Price come in for a couple seasons. It's, I mean, and this, like I said, the special effects, like it's movie worthy filmmaking on a television scale. Yeah, that's what's crazy about it. Yeah. That that is really that's what uh that's what is the most impressive yeah. about it. At no point do you feel like you're watching a TV show. Um but yeah, Game of Thrones. So what's the next one that uh you got on your list? Uh Sherlock. Sherlock. BBC Sherlock, Sherlock starring Benedict Cumberpatch. Martin Freeman. There you go. I couldn't. Um, I wanted to say Martin Freeman, and I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't think of his name, and the only thing that was popping in my head was Carl Malone. Carl Malone. <laughs> I don't know why. But what? That, I don't know. It was the only. The, it was the uh, only name that popped in my head. Oh my gosh! What is wrong with you? I mean, Sherlock Holmes. Like Sherlock. I. I'm trying to remember when I first got into it. I think I. I think. It was actually after the third series came out, but and the show, you know, there's criticisms about like the final season that they had, and who knows if it's even going to be the last or if they're going to come up with more. But it's a it's a show that, again, I think in times it feels cinematic. I mean, and that's not just down to it's an hour and a half long. There's only three episodes per season. It, uh, yeah, very. It's very British. Right, and I mean, when a time in a time when like Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law are doing an excellent job in the movies, playing it like you watch Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman, there's no one else who even comes to mind when I think of playing Sherlock. I think, and Sherlock and Watson, I, I think the show's incredible. I think the cinematography is good, the music is good, the acting is good, um, and even though people had issues with the final season, I think the final, I think the episodes i think they they did well enough i think it was mostly down to the sort of the expectation that came with it because the show was gone for so long it's gone for four years and then came back yeah but. that's 
that's crazy. It was gone for that long. I I watched. I've watched Sherlock. I have it as um, this is one of the films that we don't both have on our top five list. This is one of the ones where we differ. Um, I have it in my. I'd put it as an honorable mention. Um, okay. I watched it. I think. Um, I think it has its high points. It has its lower points, but it's always it's always entertaining. Um. So what what about what about the um. What about this puts it in your top five? Um, honestly, I mean, I think, I think if you, if you, if you just take away, if you take away the final season that people, I mean, it, it wasn't completely critically. What bad. was it in was the, head. what was in the final season? Cause I'm trying to think now of, I'm going to look up the episodes in the final season right now because. Right. So it wasn't like, it wasn't panned. It had mixed reviews. Um, but I think there's some. I think when you look at those first like you look at the first season where at the end they you know they introduce Moriarty he becomes a huge part of the second season um I don't know I just think I think it, like Moriarty overall, like, Moriarty by the way played by Andrew Scott he's incredible Yeah he's I, incredible I, mean, I thought it was it's just it's a nice it's perfectly cast it is like you said, it's always entertaining. I think it it goes to the, the the stories goes by the stories perfectly, and I think it's just a very complexly and amazingly written show. I think um, for the most part, I think it you know it's the chemistry between the two leads is yeah, it's important. It's and unbelievable. It's good. Yeah, I think um, I think I kind of with like because um, I got into this afterwards. You would watch it. I mean, you didn't watch it until there was already three seasons. Right. Then I watched it. Um, I've watched the newest stuff. Um, I think kind of with, with everything, even with uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law, they always get into this thing where it's like, oh, Sherlock wouldn't do that. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, like you look at Basil uh, Rathbone and Nigel Bruce, which is like a, what a lot of people think of as the, the Sherlock Holmes movies from the 30s. Um, that's how they see him, which isn't exactly how he is in the book. So there's some, you know, I kind of like how there's the aspects of the novels in here, but also it's been made more modern. Right. Yeah. It's, I think it's the perfect contemporary, you know, spin on the entire story. Yeah. Like I, th- I think it definitely does. It definitely does a, a very good job at, at modernizing it. And, um, I don't, it's, it's. The shows, it's funny too. Yeah, yeah, it, it's. I which mean, I, I think, which is, I always, which is, I think, is down to like it's good writing. It's good writing, and even the the supporting characters add add to it. You got Molly Hooper. You have uh, what's her name? Oh my gosh, Miss Mrs. What's her face? Mrs. Hudson. That's it. Yeah, but the, he, like. I think one of the one of the reasons why this um why Sherlock stands out um I think some of the some of the way they film certain things so I think of uh I'm trying to think of the episode Scandal in Belgrave Scandal in Belgravia and that's when you first meet um what is her Irene name Irene Adler Yes so that episode, I, I think, mean, the, I th- yeah, 
that's probably my favorite episode. Um, I think just the way that they film certain things. So, for instance, they're going over a case. They're sitting in a room and they're going over a case. And kind of as the camera is spinning around the room now, certain furniture, like the couches they're sitting on, are there, but they're at the location of the scene of the crime. You mean yeah, kind of stuff I- like like stuff that they do with that, I think, is like really crazy awesome it's really uh it's really thoughtful i think it's a really it, it's a it has a good visual language yeah yeah and i think also another thing the show does is a, so sherlock's mind palace is another concept that they go into and how he remembers stuff and stores information in his yes. head and they do an excellent job visually with that that's what i mean so um, it kind of puts you into that because um Robert Downey Jr. and Benedict Cumberbatch have both stated before that, you know, whenever I'm playing Sherlock, I think it was on the Graham Norton show. They were both on for separate okay. things at the time. And one was like, oh, because whenever I'm playing Sherlock, you know, my my wife or whatever always always tells me that I'm 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 such a dick. To right. which the other one was like, uh, yeah, I can, you know, I can attest to the same thing also. Um, right. So I think. The way that they show kind of, oh, this person's smart, which, is, which isn't which is enough. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, this guy's smart. He's arrogant. I think when it shows you those things, the thought process visually, mm-hmm. I just think takes the show to a, to an entire different level. Yeah. I, it's, an, it's an incredibly smart show. Um, but I also think as it goes on and as Sherlock sort of opens up a little bit more, becomes a little bit more of an emotional character. I think the show also thrives on it because there's some heavy stuff in this show that's devastating. And I, it, for me, like for me making this list, making this list, it was all down to shows. Like what are some of the shows that I've watched? There's been plenty of shows that I've watched once, Yeah, but there's only a few really good shows that I've been like, you know what? I've rewatched multiple times. And Sherlock yeah, I've is always one. I've rewatched it. I've gone yeah, through Sherlock, it two or three times. Yeah. yeah. It's always one I've gone back to. Which, which, you know what, though, also, also, I think something else the show does well is it's not, um, it's not overly demanding of the viewer. No. You know what I mean? Like, in a way, like, if you want to try and figure out what's going to happen, you could do that. But if you just want to watch purely for, okay, let me just take this in. It's fine. It's, it's not something that makes you feel stupid. Um, Mm. So, yeah, I think that that's a, that's a good addition. That is definitely a good addition to a top five. Um, so somewhere else we differ is the next one I have on my list, which is well, I don't want to cut you off. You have anything else you want to say about Sherlock? No, no, I think I think I covered it. So um, next on my list would be the Nick. The Nick. Steven Soderberg. I absolutely knew this was going to be on your list, which is why I posted to social. Yeah. Graphic was for the Nick. Yeah. So the Nick, um, uh, you know, directed by Steven Soderbergh, um, starring Clive Owen. Uh, I remember before the Nick came out, it was a Cinemax show. Um, I remember seeing the ads. They ran them on HBO. um, And... The the kind of like trailers you got were just very. I had no idea of like really you know as far as story or who anyone was. It was just kind of like quick clips, mm-hmm. thirty second trailer. The score by Cliff Martinez is incredible, so that's what was overlaid, and I was like, I this show is gonna be good. I want to watch the show. 
it visually the show speaking to me. I, I need to watch it. Um, so the Nick was only two seasons. It's twenty episodes. That's it, start to finish. Um, and I I just think it's it's my favorite. Visually speaking, I think it's the best looking TV show. Um, Steven Soderbergh at this point had retired from making films. He was kind of on like a retirement hiatus type thing. Um, Steven Soderbergh is the director of every episode. He is the cinematographer for every episode, and he's also the editor for every episode. Which is insane. Which is insane, but it's also so perfect because that visual language that visual language is in every single episode. Right. It never gets changed up when it passes on. So like like he's on the, obviously he's on the same page with the director because he is the director when he's shooting it. Exactly. Um, he can edit it the way that he envisioned to be edited because that's the way he shot it. I, I think that um as far as visually um as far as the cinematography on a show I don't think that any shot, this is one of the only shots, not one shot is wasted. Right, and that's something That's something you get with the best cinematographers. I've seen that when I've watched like uh, a movie shot by Roger Deakins, and you watch it, and it's like none of these shots, every single shot is as thought through as the yes. next, and it, it, it shows. And this show, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an excellent show. I've watched it. it. It wasn't in my top five, but not because I didn't think it was absolutely incredible like you said my favorite aspects are are the visuals i think that i mean the the sound the soundtrack is amazing yep. cinematography is amazing just the look the color of it it's i mean yeah the performances are great too it, it's definitely a weird it's also you know the nick takes place in uh the knickerbocker hospital in new york city and i believe the show starts it's like 1910 um right so also this kind of like electronic soundtrack that they use with Cliff Martinez, you would think would kind of be weird, but it kind of fits. It fits perfect. Um, yeah. Everything going on. Uh, it's only only two seasons. It the original plan for the show was to uh, do two seasons, ten episodes each, and then kind of switch hands. At that point. Which it would right. go almost. It would yeah, go almost like anthology. Yes, with every two but seasons. but yeah, but it would be two seasons. So then it would go to a different time period, and the Nick would be next. So I know that at some point you're waiting for the third season. They were going to do it. Steven Soderbergh was talking to Cinemax, um, and I think it was going to be in this. I don't know if it was the 40s, but whatever they wanted to do, they wanted to shoot a completely in anamorphic black and white film, and Cinemax was mm-hmm. like, "We're not doing that." That's not going to happen. So yeah. they didn't do it, and this is kind of where we're left off. Just you had its 20-episode run, but within that 20-episode run, um, the nice thing is is that the 20, this whole, the storyline you get in these two seasons was planned out to be a two-season storyline. It's not one of the shows where it was canceled and you're left hanging with anything like I think this show does really well with here's the people here's where they're at here's where you know here's where they've gotten to and that's it you know what I mean yeah you're not like there's no I don't know if there's really any unanswered questions no it kind of leaves every character off uh with their own ending yeah which Um, which I mean not you know um obviously you wonder where they progressed after the end of the show that type of thing but um I remember at some point, uh, I think it was, I don't remember if it was for directing, 
believe it was the Emmys, and it was Game of Thrones, The Battle of the Bastards, which is a huge episode, mm-hmm. was up against the finale of the Nick. And it was one of the things where, like, both are good. I knew Battle of the Bastards was going to win, but I wanted the series finale of the Nick to win. Mm-hmm. Just because I think some of the stuff that happens, um, it's just you're not used to seeing the way things are shot. Um, kind of the twists, the turns, just I just think that the the final season, the final episode of the final season of the Nick is a masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah, I think I mean think more and more as time has gone on, I've you know, maybe I'll have to go back in and watch it again because I miss having that show around. It's, it's it's different. It has has a completely different feel than other any of these other um big big shows that you watch. It's a nice period piece, but it I mean it, it feels unique in a sort of way and I think uh, that's down to uh Soderbergh's filmmaking. It, it's it's kind of it's crazy how his career has gone. So he yes. made like those he made big movies then he took the retire. He retired from making movies. Made this show. Show got canceled. Then he went back, and now he's making movies on iPhones. Yeah, he's actually made. You know, he's made two on iPhones. Well, think about it. He had. He started out kind of small. Then he was getting bigger stuff. So he won Best Director for Traffic. Mm-hmm. He was also nominated for Best Director the same year for Aaron Brockovich. Brockovich, which is crazy. So like, it kind of yeah. at that point is you know he he took off. He could do more. Um, but then he still did kind of like like it's weird to think like he he did Magic Mike, mm-hmm. he did Contagion, The Informant, Haywire. You know what I mean? He did a bunch of these weird movies that are when you see them you go okay this is a Steven Soderbergh film. He has a very he's a very unique style um, mm-hmm. with the way he shoots things, which I also comes from him you know him being his own cinematographer a lot, right. Came out of retirement with Logan Lucky. I'm not even mentioning it. It did Oceans 11, 12, and 13. Yeah. Huge. I mean, completely huge. The the cast is insane in that. Um, Does Logan Lucky kind of on his own. Like, let me just skip the studio part. Let me try and distribute it, see how this goes. Um, But then again, even that cast. Adam Driver. uh, Hilary Swank. Sebastian Stan, uh, Seth MacFarlane, creator of Family Guy. Uh, what the hell is it? Daniel Craig. Daniel there Craig. it is. And Mike. Mike. Channing Tatum. Oh, yeah. Channing Tatum. <laughs> uh, obviously. Yeah. Katie Holmes. Um, yeah. It's just that. And there's that a lot. hilarious. That's what I mean. It's a, it's, and it's not a huge budget movie for those names you just mentioned. It's not. And I think he's at that point where it's like, I will take less money because I'm going to work with Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. Which I think is a good point to be at. Which then he follows up Logan Lucky. You're like, oh, that was kind of weird the way he did that whole, the way he did that, the way the movie was released. Because it was received very well. Mm. Uh, critically, as far as numbers, it wasn't great. So then after that, he gets Claire Foy and he goes, I'm going to shoot this movie on an iPhone. So the whole movie shot right. on iPhones. Uh, released in the theater. I went to see it because I was curious to see how an iPhone would translate to a screen. And then yeah. obviously his latest, um, bringing him and Andre Holland back together for Netflix was High Flying Bird, which was also shot on iPhones. Yeah. And I mean, it's a very limited style of filmmaking. 
but you never really notice it. I think I, from what I, I haven't seen Unsane, but I've heard that the gimmick works probably a little bit better with that movie just because the type of movie it is. Um, and that, you know, the deep dive into the mind of a, diff- of a character, whereas High Flying Bird is, you know, a lot of meetings and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So it's possible, but you never, because of, because of how good uh, Soderbergh is and how good Andre Holland is in that movie. And the Nick was basically a jump starter for him. He's, yes. Um, you don't notice it. You don't know. Like, I don't think he could make, like, obviously I'd much rather watch a Soderbergh production where he's using like, bigger cameras like on the nick because how good the nick looks yeah. it looks better obviously than the other things but i think what his main what his main point with making it with iphones is sort of to show look anybody can make a movie you don't need a big camera expensive well, yeah, camera yeah. to make I, which i think is a good take like for a young filmmaker i think it's kind of a you know it's not like oh shoot everything on 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 iphone but um i think it's it's it shows that, listen, even if you have minimal equipment, you can try and make something out of it, which I think is a good note, a good something to take out of it. I also like that someone like him is pushing the boundary on that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, we talked about in uh past episode, I believe, about Christopher Nolan's stance on film, which I think film does look like better. Yeah, looks better than digital you know, come and shoot film, you know, try and keep it alive. And Soderbergh's like, you know, I'll shoot film when you start writing your scripts in pencil again. Um, and I kind of, I kind of, I love that quote. But I like this style that's like, okay, here's a camera that is in my pocket. Let me try it out. And from reading interviews with him, uh, he did an interview with David Sims at The Atlantic, which I read where he was kind of talking about, he, he doesn't feel, uh, there's no constraints with it. The actors can act more natural. It's not that you're trying to play an emotional scene and there's, you know, a crew of 15 behind you, a huge camera in your face, all this. It's kind of like, okay, you guys can act and just I'm just going to move around. Yeah. And I, I think he's really good at that that style of that handheld style of filmmaking. His framing, um, his compositions are really strong. And I think you can tell that there's certain shots that you're like, that's a Soderbergh. Mm-hmm. shot so yeah that's that's why i have uh that's why i have the nick on my list yes and you should because it's great um next on here now uh another show this is another show i, I mean it, it's definitely not universally regarded as one of the top shows of all time yeah um but it has it, it does have its it's uh upside to it i think uh for me it's one of the shows that i've watched multiple times uh and it's the newsroom it's aaron sorkin's the newsroom um i think what makes this show so good i mean i'm a sucker for aaron sorkin's dialogue i I, which is where some which is where some of the people come with you know not liking the show right right i mean i mean there's parts where where the show gets a little preachy and he goes sort of you know goes on whims a little bit but i think overall like when you like when you look at his movies that he's written people rarely have any problems with movies like moneyball or social network yeah or even molly's game was critically well received this show was less well received probably down because i think it's a political it also it's 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 a a current political show you know what i mean like all the stories covered on the show are within the past five years 
Yeah. Um, and I think the, but I think the cast is also perfect for the show. I think it, they, they deliver his dialogue very well. Jeff Daniels won an Emmy for the first season of the show, for the first scene in the show, essentially. Yeah, um, he's which I will say, which is like um, past guest and he'll be future guest, uh, James Milano. He hates Aaron Sorkin. Hates him. He doesn't like his style of dialogue. He hates it because he feels like he's showing off. No one right. talks like that in real life. No one's that fucking smart. I don't like... He doesn't like watching it. Right. But at the same time, I haven't talked to him since he's gone. He was very quick to buy tickets to see To Kill a Mockingbird on Broadway with Jeff Daniels, written by Aaron Sorkin. And it was kind of... It was kind of like, okay, because it's different material. And he's like, I know right. I don't like Aaron Sorkin, but I do know that he can write. Yeah, I think he very much writes in a play-like style. Yes, yes, he does. Um, you, you think of The West Wing, which was a lot of walking and talking, which has been parodied, parodied over and over. I think a 30 Rock has a scene where uh, Tina Fey's character, Liz Lyman, comes in and sits down for a uh, job interview, whatever's going on, and she sits down and it's her and Sorkin. Right. And she's like, oh, man, Sorkin, how am I going to get the job against you? And he's like, come on, walk with me. And they stand up, and it's filmed like the West Wing, but it's 30 right. Rock, and it's, you know what I mean? So uh, people know his style. Uh, mm. I, I watched the newsroom as it was on. That was something that I followed. Um, I've watched it again. Uh, I think, I think why I've watched it more is current political shit is so insane and it's a fucking headache to try and follow sometimes. So to watch shit that's already happened that really doesn't have a consequence, you know, like for right now, it is, I meant like, it's weird. I'm saying that after just talking about everything's not current, um, Mm -hmm. you know, cause like the stories they cover, like say that, you know. I remember how I felt watching those stories. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, yeah, I remember when that when that happened. Now I can absorb right. it. It's on a fake show. It's not real. But, oh, you, you know, you kind of relive through how you watch the news. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think the show, it was, the first season did it the most where it was talking about, each episode was about a very specific news story, whereas as the show went on, they found a more focused story yes. but also dealt with stuff on the side, which I think the show, uh, it was more well-received when, once it got this focus and it got more of a focus in each season. I mean, there's only three seasons, 25 episodes. Um, but yeah, I think it was cool to go back and watch. Okay, let's see this these group of characters that I know because I've watched them on the show. Yeah. Let's see them deal with the situation that I've dealt with or like that I've heard about and not see it from the news perspective in that way. And I thought that was sort of an interesting, an interesting way to do it. And I think it's cool to even, especially now with the political climate that we have today, it's, it's interesting to think about, Oh, I wonder what the show would be like now if it was covering Donald Trump. Yeah. I will, I will say it's definitely one of those, it's definitely one of the shows that um, I, which is weird because you can look back at a lot of, a lot of things and go, I wonder if they were made today. But this one, since it's dealing with news stories, mm-hmm. um, that when you think about, oh, I like if this was on now, how would they handle everything? Right. Um, you know, uh, they made Jeff Daniels. He's a conservative. 
mm-hmm. Republican um, on the show. Rather than being a Democrat, which, I mean, I think you would probably expect because you're like, oh, here's a writer, Hollywood, blah, 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 blah. Um, right. You know, but uh, so I'm I, I would like to see how they film that now with all that going on. Um, yeah. I I think I think this Jeff Jeff Daniels is he's he's so good in this. Yeah. Um, in the show, he just fully embodies. He he owns the character. Yeah, and he, he owns and he everything. Delivers, he delivers Sorkin dialogue perfectly, which is why he's yes. worked with him again and again. Yes. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's all right. It's all right. I was I was trying to figure out how to express what I like about Jeff Daniels on the show, and it's just you just got to see it. He's just good on the. He's just yeah, good I, on the show. Yeah, I mean. The uh, so the way the Emmys do it is when you nominate when an actor is nominated, they submit one episode of the show. Yep. To and that's how they base it, which is like probably a weird way to do it. But um, the first episode of the first season was what they submitted for his first one, and they have that opening scene, which is an amazing opening scene. Amazing, like, like what is it? It's like seventeen minutes long or fifteen minutes long. It's kind of like this big monologue that. Jeff Daniels character goes on that you've probably you've probably seen shared it's one of the things that every now and then pops up on Facebook yeah it's like oh this is the most honest whatever like seen in TV or whatever um but yeah that that scene essentially won him the Emmy yeah I agree, uh, I agree. yeah and it's not only and, and that's not his only moment and no he has a lot of, of like, moments yeah and a lot there's a lot of great characters I mean Sam Watterson is excellent as yep. the head of the of the news uh division jane fonda's in it and she kills whenever she's on she, she the, yeah uh she's dev patel dev patel's great i mean it has some of my favorite characters in tv uh, like don Kiefer, played by thomas sadowski is another one who just like really grows on you as the show goes on yeah uh i i think Olive- i think they all it, going to the, like the sorkin dialogue they all deliver it but each character is, I feel so separate. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like mm. there's a lot of people in this show. Yeah. And there's a lot of, a, a lot of characters, I mean, and there's a lot of talking, but at no point you, you could tell it's Sorkin dialogue, but you tell it's, it's his kind of dialogue that is only meant for each character that's saying it. You know what I mean? No yeah. one feels like a carbon copy. No one feels like you don't need this character because he's saying the same thing as this other character. Right. You know what I mean, they're each individual's. And how they come yeah. across. And I feel like it's going to be a show you're going to look at down the line and you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, all these people. Because I mean, there's people that you knew before the show came out, but I think there's other people that you didn't know necessarily that you're going to look back and be like, I can't believe all these people are on the same show. Yes. Like, yes. Like David Harbour, who's now new Hellboy, also big in Stranger Things. He has a small role. You know, Allison Pill was just in Vice. Yep. You know what I mean, it's like, it's a, it's a crazy cast. And I, that's, I don't know. That show, I've always, I've always enjoyed watching it. Yeah, it was definitely. A, it was, I think it. Uh, I think the short run. I mean, same thing. That was a show that knew it was coming to an end. They're like, oh, the, yeah. You know, this is it. Um, three seasons. It was twenty five episodes, right? Isn't it like the first season's what ten? The it's, second one's nine. The third one's six. Yeah. It's fucking. It's weird. It is, and but I think it's always better to end a show. Like yeah. when you know you're going out rather than overstaying your welcome. 
Which is like, I always say, like, I was talking about, like, Sherlock. It's very British. It's like, you know, you look at, like, The Office, the UK version. It's not a lot. Yeah. It's very short. Um, you, I think, like, probably one season. The second, you know what I mean? Like, maybe the first two seasons of The Off. you know. Here, yeah. you get a sitcom on, it's 20-some episodes. I think the entire series of The UK Office is not much more. Right. And, I mean, I'm looking at my list right now. I have three shows that have three seasons, one show with four seasons, and Game of Thrones with eight seasons. Yeah. So, so by the way, The Office, the UK version of The Office, including specials, is 14 episodes. Total. Yeah. yeah. Total. That's it. And it spawned, like, the biggest sitcom, yeah. like, one of the most loved sitcoms ever. Ever. Here. Yeah. Um. But the, that's the that's the thing though that some shows sense it and they get out at the right mm-hmm. time. Uh, I think this got out at the right time. Although right. now that you see the way politics are going, I think it would be interesting just to see something that you're like, oh, this is I don't have to care about it because whatever they're talking about, that's you know two years ago. You know what right. I mean? It's let's just see how let's see how other people deal with what's going on um yeah. that's a good choice i'm down with that choice i'll give it to you i'll accept it okay okay sent and received now also so we went over what game of thrones sherlock the so, nick so the newsroom hbo bbc cinemax which i think is also to show a lot of our all all of our shows are pretty current yeah. You know what I mean? We didn't go far back for, for a lot of it. But I also right. think it's telling uh, to a point that you can... Uh, there's so many places making good content, mm-hmm. which this wasn't the case, you know, 10 years ago. That's a, right. You know, you get a lot of people, favorite shows. Sopranos, The Wire, Six Feet Under. I mean, like, these are all huge shows. They're all HBO shows. Yeah. Now you have other people kind of I like there's other people competing with it. There's so many places to get good shit from. So yeah, I'm, what was that? I don't want to cut you off. Well no, I was saying that we haven't even there's some of the shows we mentioned are gonna be on different channels and there's gonna be some we're not we I don't even think we have we don't have a Netflix show, we don't have a Hulu show on our list, but there are excellent shows on those platforms. Yeah. The so the next one on mine Oddly enough, comes from a different network again. Uh, FX, uh, Fargo. Fargo. That was, so I have that on my honorable mention. Okay. It, I didn't want to put it on my list because I haven't seen all of it. I've only seen the first two seasons. Fair enough. Um, so I didn't want to put that completely on there. Um, I've always taken, I've watched, I watched the first season, took some time, then went back to it. So I'll probably get back to the third season very soon. But I'm all in, I'm all in on this choice as well. Yeah, so uh, the the craziest thing to me about Fargo is you take a beloved Coen Brothers movie, Fargo's great, and you know we're gonna do a show, and it's like, it. I think it's a weird choice when you mm-hmm. without seeing the show to go. Why would they make a show on Fargo? Um, and to have it be as good and well made, well written, well acted as it is. You know, coming from a you know an Academy Award nominated 
movie to do right. a show on it that's so successful at trying, you know, embodying what the film was, but also having its own storyline, but still existing in that same universe. I, I just think it does a great job. Um, mm-hmm. There's been three seasons so far. Uh, each season, it's anthology. Each season is a different set of characters. So you have the first season is set in 2006, which is Billy Bob Thornton, Allison Tolman, Colin Hanks, and Martin Freeman. Uh, won a primetime Emmy for Outstanding Miniseries, Outstanding Directing, Outstanding Casting. Um, received an additional 15 nominations, including Outstanding Writing, um, and all and acting nominations for all four leads of the show. It won the Golden Globe for Best Miniseries and Best Actor for Billy Bob Thornton. Billy Bob Thornton's incredible in this first season. He is the character that's he's they yeah he's perfect. They do, they do so good at writing like just scary bad guys on the show. Yeah, but that's what I mean. But they all exist within that Fargo universe. They all exist within the universe. You know what I mean? Within that They're, same of the movie. Yeah, they're quirky, you know, like, uh, I mean, Martin Freeman, another one who's incredible. Yeah. I mean, second, should, second Martin Freeman mention. Yeah. I mean, he needs to just get a, an award for, he, in my opinion, is the best actor in the world at changing his voice because like, like I, I mean, you watch him in Black Panther, he has a straight american accent yep. and you know he's british and then you go and you, you go to fargo season one and he's got the fargo oh lester nygaard oh yeah uh, yeah yeah oh, oh it's oh, it's it's um so i like the thing about fargo that's that um that was so impressive to me is i watched the first season and the first season is incredible and you're yeah, like really this good. is this is this is one of the best shows i've ever seen mm. so then i'm like let me watch the second season so the second season takes place in 1979, which is starring Kirsten Dunst, Patrick Wilson, uh, Jesse Plemons, Matt Damon, Gene Smart, and Ted Danson. Um, also positively reviewed, not as well as the first one. It was three Golden Globe nominations, several Emmy nominations for Outstanding Miniseries, uh, Acting. Um, the second season is my favorite season. Yeah, I'd argue that it's better than it's, the first season. It's... There, yeah, I don't. It's it's wild the way it's filmed, the way it's done. The second season for me is the best. Third season uh, is set in 2010 with Ewan McGregor, Carrie Coon, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, uh, David Thewlis. Um, Ewan McGregor, I believe, uh, won McGregor and Thewlis for acting. Uh, they won. Uh, sorry, Whew. McGregor won the Golden Globe for this series. Um, I know there's a lot of people that like the third season the best. After I watched it the one time, rewatched it again, the second season blows me away every time. Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah. The, I'm, I've seen the first two seasons, and I loved, I loved both of them. I think Patrick uh, Wilson is on his fucking game in the second season. He is in his bag. Yeah. I mean, he completely owns it. He gives a monologue towards the end of that season that I, one of my favorite monologues. Um, definitely in TV, but overall, mm-hmm. it's just something that he perfect. He just 
I, I, I just, I like him anyway. Yeah. I think he's good anyway in, in anything I've seen him in. But in this show. You love, you love Patrick Wilson. Yeah, this show is, is yeah, this is him at his absolute best. Uh, yeah. Ted Danson's great. But, yeah. I, I just think, I think you need to watch the third season. Yeah, um, I'll watch it very soon. But I'll add it to my queue. But that's 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 the thing though with this show, is that first season you know set in a different time. Each season set in a different. We have two thousand six, two thousand ten, nineteen seventy nine. The fourth season now. The other thing is the people that pop up in it. So you have mm-hmm. Billy Bob Thornton, all that, and then you have uh, Glenn Howerton. Yeah, Key and Peele were the. The yeah, FBI agents, that right? you know. What I mean? Yeah, exactly. There's like weird people that pop up in small roles in it. Um, Rob McElhenney was in the second, uh, third season. He pops up in it. Okay. It it's just, I don't know. It's there's something about it that it's quirky. It's weird. It's dark. It's yeah, and but no, it never feels like it's copying itself. No, you know what I mean. No, Even does, from the first it, yeah. season to the second season, you go, "This exi- exists in the same mind frame, but it's it's not copying it." Right, and it doesn't feel like it's ever copying the movie either. Exactly, and the yeah. fo- the fourth season, uh, lead actor cast right now is Chris Rock. Yeah, to take in place in 1950, Kansas City. Kansas City. That's in, that's. I mean, they're all in Minnesota, are they? The first three are in Minnesota. Or? In the second season, Mike Milligan. And the two brothers, they're from Kansas City. Okay. So that's the other thing that's cool is there are loose co- – there are connections between characters in each season. You know what right. I mean? There are different things that kind of tie them across. Um, I, I just – I am here for the Fargo television universe. Yeah. All, all in on all in on Fargo. All Yeah, definitely all in. One, 100 – 100% of the way. I'm I'm completely yeah. locked in. That's something that as soon as it comes out, I'm going to watch it. Mm. How are we doing on time? We're doing good. We just crossed an hour and 10 minutes. Oh, it's not too bad. No. No. So our next two are both on our list. Yes. We wanted to do Game of Thrones first because it's sort of the biggest show out of any of the ones we have probably ever. Um, yep. Then we decided to go through the ones that we didn't didn't have on our list. Not that we don't agree on them. And then we have our our two of our other ones. Um, so we're gonna go with the uh, we're gonna go with Mela first, right? Yeah, we're gonna go with uh, we'll talk Broadchurch. Broadchurch. Now Broadchurch. So you watch Sherlock. And I remember when I first watched Sherlock, I was dying to watch something like Sherlock, but there was no new Sherlock to watch. Yes. And you told me to watch Luther. Yep. And you told me to watch Broadchurch. I think I watched now, Broadchurch. I watched Broadchurch before I watched Luther. Okay. Um. I. I think I watched Luther first because Luther had more of a gritty London feel. Yes. That was closer to the Sherlock uh, setting, so I went with that first. And then it came to the point I wanted to watch. Jessica Jones, the first season was coming out, and Broadchurch. And what I've always liked doing watching TV and movies, um, I've always liked when like a, a someone who's always or played a villain or played them very well would then come out with a movie where they were the good guy. Um, that always interested me. I was like, okay, let me time for me to watch this. Like, for example, Django Unchained. 
I've already I already saw Christoph Waltz in Inglorious Bastards, uh-huh. and he was an incredible villain. And now I get to watch Django Unchained, where I get to actually root for him. Yes. So I was excited for that. So that so I what I decided to do, I decided to watch um, David Tennant as the main bad guy in Jessica Jones season one, and then I decided to watch Broadchurch because then I would get to root for him. Yes. The I I came to Broadchurch. Because you told me to watch Sherlock. I'm like, okay, I want to let me watch a British crime show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just Googled best British crime show and Broadchurch came up. I'm like, okay, you know, read, the, read the description of it. Let me give it a shot. Uh, I was laid off at the time. Okay. And I watched. I had to watch that that first season. It's only eight episodes. Total show is is 24 episodes, three seasons. Um, Blew through the first season. And when the first season was done, I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. I need to find the second season. And then I did, and I watched it in a day. Yeah, the second season I watched quicker than the first season. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a day. The first one probably took me a week. I watched a couple, a couple. I I mean, I was like... I was like, to anyone I could tell, I'm like, you have to watch Broadchurch. David Broad, Tennant yeah. is incredible. Olivia Coleman is out of this world. Yeah, I tweeted, once she won her Oscar, I said, now that she has an Oscar, everyone go watch Broadchurch. That's right, yeah, exactly. I I shared the same sentiment. Yeah, um, so not a lot of people know about Broadchurch. It's a it's a fiction set in English a fictional English town in Dorset, sort of on the coast in England, on southern England, and it focuses on police detectives D.I. Alicardi and D.S. Ellie Miller, and it surrounds – it focuses on the death of a local 11-year-old boy, Danny Latimer, and the impact of grief, mutual suspicion, and media attention on the town, and it is the best crime show of all time. Yeah. There isn't a detect- – there isn't a show about any detective that – that is better than Broadchurch, in my opinion. I um, I agree. Because, and I think it's because of that focus. The focus is on a small town. It's one case throughout the entire season, and it focuses on how it affects the town, how it affects the family, how it affects the detectives. Their performances are great. You look at like you said, David Tennant, Olivia Coleman. Um, got the new Doctor Who. Jodie Whittaker is in it. She plays the mother, and mm-hmm. she is incredible. Uh, the music by Olafur Arnolds is amazing. The cinematography, um, I'm not too sure who did the cinematography, but it is one of the best. I know you mentioned the Nick. Broadchurch is one of the, is, if my opinion, it's my favorite uh, cinematography okay. in, in any show. That's fair. Uh, yeah. Um, it's, I don't know, I, I absolutely love the show. I, I, just, I just actually rewatched the first two seasons. So the show is... The show is what what I've always loved about it is the show is heartbreaking, mm-hmm. and it doesn't force it upon you that it's heartbreaking. Do you know what I mean? No. It doesn't. Um, so the way I look at it was I I had a critique I made I was making a uh, I was doing the documentary on Zach with the cystic fibrosis, and mm-hmm. the first time I ran it through. There was rather than just audio of a you know kind of an interview, the conversation we were having, and the other stuff I was you know filming him dealing with the disease. There was there was music set to it. I I had a a, a teacher 
that critique, you know, came in and said, listen, you don't need the music. You don't have to tell me that it's sad. Okay. The content is letting me know that this is hard, that this is sad. So I've always taken that that sentiment and I've seen it elsewhere. And this is one of the shows where I'm like, okay, it doesn't have to be sappy. It doesn't have to force it on you. Like, it, I don't feel like the show is ever saying you need to be sad right here. It's giving you, I think it really gives you time as the viewer to watch what's happening Take in how the town, the family is dealing with it, and then you process their grief. Mm-hmm. It's not yelling it at you, um, which I always loved about this show. Yeah. And I I think the show was also, like, we kind of talked about Game of Thrones and how the viewership and everyone was, like, anticipating. I think this show also had a very similar type of anticipation over in in England because everyone wanted to know you know, the detective, like the detective story, like what happened, people want to know the mystery. And I think the show, it does a good job with that, but it, that isn't the focus. The focus is very much on the people. Yeah. The, and, and I mean, the performances are, are incredible. They're so good. The writing is great. It has, it is produced my favorite gif ever now, which is the one you always send me when it's a uh, David Tennant yelling, bloody Twitter. Yeah. It's it's um and, and so the the first the first two seasons are are connected. Um the third season not really. Right. There's sim- I mean the same a lot of the same characters but Yeah, you have the same character, new characters. Sa- yeah, it's like same characters, same town, just different different story. Um but now here here's something about Broadchurch that is always been crazy to me. So Broadchurch came out in, uh, I don't know what year. I want to say around 2013. Yeah, it was 2013. BBC. Fox. ITV. Was it ITV? ITV, yeah. Okay. Fox commissions a show based on Broadchurch. The show is called Grace Point. So it's going to be an Americanized version of Broadchurch. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, we've seen that happen all the time. It was going to be a limited miniseries, one season. They were going to do Grace Point. It was going to be about a boy who was killed in a shore town. And the same thing. Everyone watching everyone in the town. So they're doing auditions for the David Tennant, Olivia Coleman parts. They're auditioning people to play uh for David Tennant's character. Yeah, I believe it was D- it's now uh Detective Alec Carver. That's it. It's so just, it's, it's just, Hardy. Yeah. Right? In Broadchurch? Yes. So David Tennant goes, I'd like to audition. And they're like, no, nah, I mean you just did the show. Like you're on the show that this show is based on. Why would you want to come and audition to play the character based on the character that you've already played. So they said, fine, fine. Okay, we'll let you audition. And he blew everybody else out of the water. So Grace Point is a Americanized version of Broadchurch starring David Tennant playing the Americanized version of himself. Yeah. I've, I've never watched it. 
I've heard it's not bad. Yeah. Got, I mean, I don't know if they ever. I don't I think, think it was ever meant to go anywhere. I think it was just supposed to be 10 episode event. You know what I mean? Mini series. Yeah. First point. I don't ever remember it being on, but I just, I just find it super interesting that David Tennant played this character and said, oh, you know what? They're doing him again. Mm-hmm. Let me try and take a whack at that. And he and he got it. Yeah. Uh, it, it's good. From what I, I've also heard that the per, the character playing Miller in the American version was excellent in it as well. Um, but, I mean, the dynamic between... Olivia Coleman and David Tennant in this show is top is notch, and the, and the way it grows based on how the story goes and what happens to them throughout the the first couple of seasons, it, it's amazing, and it's it's crazy to see um, where they start off and then where they they end up. It's it's a show that I I don't want to talk too much about because I want everybody to watch it, but I think it is one of the it's the like I said, the, the writing is incredible. Character development, amazing. The, the acting, the pacing of the show, pa- is, yeah. it's different. It's different than any other show I've seen. Yeah, and just the, the pacing is really good. The mystery around the show, you know what I mean? The, as you're watching it is really great, which actually, see here, as they filmed the first season, mm-hmm. they didn't tell the actors who in the show who the guilty person was. Right. So they didn't know um, right. how to play it. You know what I mean? So as they're playing these parts where they're they're talking to detectives, they have their lines, but they don't know if at the end it's going to be them or not. So I think it adds a really interesting aspect to to the drama of it all. Yeah, and I mean there's there, there's a line where they're like sitting in there and there's like every, most of the people in town are at the same place and they're like, I can't like – like any one of these people could have done it and you feel that as a viewer and you still have no idea because they show you because they show you everyone in the town and they show different things about their life that is a little fishy a little suspicious and it you know you could look at that person and be like this person this person definitely could have done it and it yeah. could be anyone and it does that it, it maneuvers throughout the entire season and it's still it still lands perfectly when they find when you finally get yeah. to it. It's which like that whole thing, that whole oh, anyone in this room could have done it. Actually, um, yeah, anyone. I don't want to say what I was just. I cut myself off. Um, okay. I don't want to spoil anything, but um, but that whole entire thing of each character also in a scene, not knowing if they did it, they also don't know if the person they're talking to did it. Yeah, and it adds a cool dynamic to how that is played out and how and it's I, performed. Yeah, because it's very convincing the way it comes across when you have two characters interacting with each other. They don't know if it's them the way it's written. And they also, you know what I mean? Because if you're the actor and you know, okay, I'm, you know, this, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the guilty party. It might be harder to come across in a scene with someone else who you're not sure is the guilty party. If you know, you know what I mean? Oh, I know yeah. it's. So that whole entire mystery of it all, I think, plays really well. Um, yeah, it is. The I don't think the third season's weak. I just think that the first season and the second season are so out of this world. Right. No, I think I think the third season is equally as good as those. I think the second season, you know, because with their connect, its connection to the first season sort of enhances it a little bit, but also it goes into a backstory that is referenced in the first season. Yes. 
and we go into that more. And then the third season is a completely new case, um, completely different case. It, it surrounds it surrounds a, a sexual assault, and the way that the show handles that is done incredibly well. Yes. Also, but I think also if if the show went on for multiple seasons, like even like like six, seven seasons, it wouldn't work as well because the point of it is. This this small town was completely devastated by something that could you could never possibly expect to happen. Yeah, you could never imagine this like happening. That. Yeah. So I'm glad they didn't do. Okay, hey, let's do third season. Let's do another. Let's do another murder. They do something else that is very much a issue. Something that like is very like unfortunately it's too common. And, yes. But they handle it with such grace, and I think that the performances again carry that on, and it's it's just an excellent series, and again excellent because knew when to quit it, the the creator said he when he was developing it he said third season's the last one i've originally actually um envisioned this as a trilogy so like the fact that it, it's succinct it knows what it's doing um definitely helps it um yeah that that knowing when to quit is important yeah um i think we've all seen things that continue past when they should have um, right. And yeah, this is I, I I agree that it ended at the right time. Like, honestly, if it was done after two, I'd be fine. Yeah. So I, I think that's like, even more was... that's even more impressive that they did the third outside of the case that covers the first two. And it still works. Good. Yeah. I mean, cause like I was, I'm so glad they did a third season. Like I said, I would have been fine, but I loved it so much that I I. <laughs> I want there to be 10 seasons, but I don't think it would be the best for the show. I, um, yeah, that that's the thing. It's knowing when to say goodbye. Also, as the kind of also as the viewer. Yeah. You know what I mean, I mean let's, every, let's not muddy it up. Yeah. I mean, look at every single show we have on this list. So, like, the Nick was designed as a two-season run. Obviously, they were going to go on and do it – was, it was sort of an anthology. So, like, each story knows when to finish. Fargo is anthology, so it's one season. So, each story knows how to finish. Um, Broadchurch, new one to end, three seasons. Uh, you know, like Newsroom, new one to end. Sherlock was very short, sort of new one to knew how to end it and figure it out. And Game of Thrones, people, you know, you watch Game of Thrones after season six, you think that there could be maybe three or four more seasons, and they're like, no, or even two more seasons with ten episodes each. They're like, no, we have thirteen more episodes and we're closing it out. Yeah, that's it. So, so I think that's that's very important. Which now. As we come to our uh, our last show to talk about another show, only three seasons, mm-hmm. twenty eight episodes, which is the leftovers. Which honestly, when I think on it, it might be my favorite of all time. It might be my number one. It's it's I know Broadchurch is there, but um, I think, is up I think there. it's one of those two. I think it's for me it's Broadchurch or the Leftovers. And now the Leftovers is ten episodes, ten episodes, and then eight for the third season. Mm-hmm. Um, now I think I think the Leftovers is a is a weird one because the Leftovers is when the Leftovers ended. I read every article I could find on the Leftovers being done. Um. And people were super appreciative of the show itself. Yeah. The fact that it existed, what they did. The Leftovers is about um, 
So on Earth, on, you know, on departure day, 2% of the world's population vanished. They departed. So the show is following the leftovers. It's following the people that are left. And you're kind of, um, almost, I mean, not, not the same as Broadchurch, but you're, you're focusing on people's reactions to an, to an event. Uh-huh. And this is obviously a very dramatic event because it happens and where, where the show starts off is you kind of see the departure happen. And then it's kind of like, hey, this is five years later or whatever it is. And no one fucking knows what's going on. No one knows why, yeah. where they went. You know what I mean? This is not everyone died. This is they literally vanished. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's first season um, is the weakest of the three. Yeah, I think it started off. I mean, the big it's like it's it's very it's very serious, very dour. It's got like a very self serious sort of feeling and tone about um, it. Yes, but I but I I, th- I still think it's a it's a very strong season. Yeah, I I agree that that was um yeah a lot of it was kind of like uh. So you think of the theme song in the first season. It's only for the first season. Um, it's very dark and ominous. Apocalyptic. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then I think, in a way, it, it got to a point where you go to the second and third season where it was like, we don't have to push home how dark and strange this is. You uh-huh. watch these people long enough to understand the, you know, the toll that this has taken on everyone. So, um, the leftovers stars, uh, Justin Thoreau as Kevin Garvey, um, which I read the script for the pilot. I was looking for an episode in the second season and I couldn't find it. Uh, the only script I could find was for the pilot. And I think that the introduction you get to the character is perfect which it reads this a man 40s but wearing them extremely well he is handsome but imperfectly so the kind of face that's seen its share of fists smashing into it his eyes are alternately good humored or intense and rarely in between this is kevin garvey he will be our hero sort of and i think it's such a perfect description of the character Uh um well i mean obviously it's coming from the writers which were um uh damon lindelof and uh, oh, Tom Parada, Tom Parada, who, who, who wrote the book. The book is they cover the the entire book in the first season. Mm-hmm. Um, so you 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 have you have Justin Thoreau, you have Carrie Coons, who is so good. Um, one of the show's strongest points is her performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and her and just her overall story. She is um, the character who, who her entire family departed, uh, disappeared. Yeah, her two kids departed. and her husband. So she sort of people know who she is because of that, and we throughout the entire series we sort of see her battle with starting a new life, but also. Trying to Getting, you're trying to figure out what happened to the old one, right? Uh, and and she is absolutely incredible. Uh, Regina King. Regina King comes in the second season. Um, 
She's great in it. It's, it's. I'm trying to figure out the best way to talk about it. It's because you have the first season and you go, okay, it's a self-serious show. It's about a serious thing. Maybe it's a little over the top on this. Um, maybe to a fault. Um, I think the performances are good, but then you get to the second season, which is all new material. It's, you know, we're not adapting from a book anymore. They move the show in a completely different direction than it was. Right. And um, they changed the theme song. They changed the opening title, the opening credits. Um, And it's season two is maybe the best season of television I've ever seen. It's it's certainly up there. It certainly has. It has my favorite TV episode of all time, without a doubt. Like, it's not, yeah. without a doubt, which is in the second season. Yeah, which we will talk about on this miniseries for sure. Yes, we will. Uh, coming up. Uh, and then again, then you follow it up with season three. Again, they change it up. They have the same title sequence, but they change the theme song every, pretty much every episode. Which is one of the, um, I think it's one of the coolest creative choices, which they were forced on. I think it was honestly because it was like, oh, with money, we can't do a new title sequence. So for the final season, the final eight episodes, the theme song that you get uh, has, has a tie to what's happening in the episode. In the episode. The subject matter of the song uh, deals with, you know, stuff going on in the show. And after watching it and then going back and watching it again and hearing the songs as the show starts, it's, it's one of my favorite choices on the show. I'm impressed with it, you know, before the even episode starts. Like, I'm impressed at the credits. Yeah. It's it's a wild show. It's a crazy, ambitious show. Yeah, um, it, I, I, if if you told, I think if you told anybody after that first season, <clears throat> excuse me, the direction that the show was going, nobody would have believed you. No, it's bonkers. It's it's the writing is just provocative. It's like I. I can't imagine sitting in a room and coming up with some of the ideas they came up with and they land very well in the show. Yeah. Like it, it's near. Yeah. It's to, I, to come in the writer's room to go, this is what we want to do. Let's do it. And them going, Oh, okay. Yeah. We're on board and fucking nailing it. Yeah. Um, it's the leftovers is definitely a show that has, um, from the time I watched it, stuck with me especially finishing the entire thing mm-hmm. um it's something that's always stayed with me i think about it often um i don't you know i don't always know why but it's it's a show that's always on my mind um, yeah and i and i constantly go back to it i mean i i'm, I'm thinking about rewatching it very soon i know i've watched it at least twice yeah you got the you got the kevin garvey funko pop you need that you need the, the, the Thoreau Funko, which you know yeah. what though? The, like now, the thing with the leftovers was we almost every other show we talked about was a widely, you know, a, it was an awarded show. They were nominated shows, uh-huh. 
The Leftovers got one Emmy nomination, I believe, which was for guest actress for Ann Dowd, who fucking rules. Yeah, she fucks. She rules. <laughs> Ann Dowd. And I believe she's in The Handmaid's Tale, which I got to check out. Which she won for The Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's um, she is Hereditary. Hereditary. She, she, she fucks. Yeah. She, <laughs> she, um, yeah, I mean, and it's, it's one of those things where it was like, when the third season happened, you were like, okay, Carrie Coons, this is it. They're giving her an Emmy nomination. They can't not give her an Emmy nomination for the third season of the show. They cannot do it. And the third season of this show is on at the same time as the, the third season of Fargo. Yeah. And you're like, this is it. She's going to get it for The Leftovers. And spoiler alert, she did not get it for The Leftovers. Snubbed. So it's... Oh, yeah, one 100%. It's just... um, I just think it's... But going back to what I said, I was reading all these articles afterwards... For a show that was such, like, you know, highly regarded, um, that people who watched it loved it. It, it. This is not a show that was watched by everybody. No. Like, at all. It. Yeah. Um, to see where they started, to where they ended, to the appreciation from fans and also, you know, TV critics alike, were like, this... The the leftovers here. What the leftovers is the best show that you're not watching. Yeah, it's it's one of the most confidently written shows of all time. And they have no right to be as confident. Yeah, as they are and, for some of the storylines you get in this show. Yeah, it is. By the way, insane. Carrie Coon was nominated for Fargo. She was nominated for Fargo. Yes, I still can't believe she hasn't really like taken off yet like why isn't she should be lead a lead in like movies i know she's in uh izzy gets the fuck across town Ooh, which you worked on uh she i just i just watched it recently yeah. well, not all of it I, I went i put it on and went to the scene that i actually sat in on the couch for and i can totally tell that it's made by how i'm sitting okay so um check out my torso and izzy gets the fuck across town um, she, uh, she's in the post with her husband, Tracy Letts, who, I mean, he fucks Tracy Letts. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though, because it's like when you see like her, I think, I think the chemistry between her and Justin Thoreau is incredible in the show. Um, although if you've seen Justin Thoreau, it's one of the things you're like, how do you not have chemistry with him? I know. I think they work so well as uh, uh, together in this show. Yeah. That, like when I see her with Tracy Letts, I'm like, that's not. That's weird. And it's yeah, not but... even anything against Tracy Letts, except for maybe a little bit <laughs> against I mean, Tracy I... Letts. Yeah, I mean, if we're if we're, if we're being honest, Justin Thoreau is if obviously. Were, if, if you had to pick between Justin Thoreau and Tracy Letts, who are you going to pick? Just based on a, just based on appearance, for sure. But here's the problem. I feel bad for Tracy Letts because Tracy Letts knows that people are watching the chemistry between her and Thoreau. And he's going, people are thinking right now, how the fuck did she end up with me when she worked so well with him? Yeah. But no, I, I just I just think that 
Um, yeah, the leftovers, it left me speechless when I saw it the first time. Uh, left me speechless the second time. You know what I mean? Every time I watch it, uh, there's there's extra things I there's extra stuff I pick up on. Yeah. Um, and we haven't even talked about the score of this movie. Show? Show. Movie, show, score. We haven't talked about it. Yeah, the score is one of my favorites. Max, Max Richter. As my Alexa Rick- says it, Max Richter. Max The Max Richter's. <laughs> uh, the Max Richter score. Richter, however you want to say it. The score is, it's beautiful. Um, it's elegant. It's perfect. Yeah. It's it's my favorite it's my favorite theme for many show. Yeah, I see th- that's the thing with it. The show gets it's very reflective. The mm. the the score for the show yeah. which works for the show cuz the show is very reflective of kind of like okay, here we are. You know, where do we go from here? Um, right. And it's just it yeah, it's there's it's if you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. It's definitely it's you need to watch the leftovers. Yeah, and I mean if you if you feel like, especially when you're watching the first season, if you feel like maybe, like it's not I don't know it's not what you, it's a show you want to watch or you're suffering through it. Not to say that I think that the show, and like I mean I didn't suffer through the first season, but I get why some people might just stick with it for season two and then you'll you'll be happy and you'll and I think you'll stick yeah. with it through season three because it's. It's a it is incredibly uh, made show. Yeah, I yeah. If, get through the first. I I I don't think it's a problem. I think some people might have a problem, but get through it. It's it's fucking. It's so worth it. Yeah. It is. It's and um. I think the the ending of the show, where the show ends, is pitch perfect. It's a, again it's another huge risk um and i think it i think it pays off mm-hmm. um yeah it, it's definitely a huge risk just like i feel like everything after they finish the first season which is like let's do this book here we're gonna go it's dark this is what's happening to go like how about we just fucking try this yeah let's build off of for, the premise of the first of the yeah, show and, and do let's our just go for two seasons and let's just every crazy decision you can think of, let's just do it. Yeah, and I think there was a lot of pressure because having David David uh, Damon Lindelof after the finale of Lost, which I didn't watch, but it seems now, to be a first... it seems to be a much talked about yeah. series finale. Right. I watched the first season of Lost and never stuck with it. Um, But yeah, everyone talks about Lost. A lot of people love Lost and hate the ending, right? Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it definitely splits people on it. And to do what, you know, make the decisions he made for the ending of this show with having that in the background. Mm -hmm. And he, he, he fucking landed it. He landed yeah. 100%. And now we get to see him take on Watchmen. Which I don't like that movie. It's too long. It's bloated. It's full of itself. I don't like Zack Snyder. That's probably my biggest problem with the movie. But I I think the, the graphic novel is beloved. I'm very interested to see 
where he goes. His take on it. That yeah. is something that I, I will definitely, I will definitely be watching. Oh, for sure. I can't wait for that. So, I'm going to list my five that we came up with. Okay. That I came up with. I picked Game of Thrones, The Leftovers, The Nick, Broadchurch, and Fargo. And I had Game of Thrones, Broadchurch, The Leftovers, Sherlock, and The Newsroom. There you go. What were some of your honorable mentions that weren't? Uh, some of my honorable mentions. I almost just didn't even put Game of Thrones in my list because it's like, I, I mean, not, there's not much argument on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, what do you talk about the most talked about TV show? Um, uh, right outside of mine was The Crown. Yeah, I was actually just looking through something, and I The Crown pop, popped up, and I said, I completely forgot about The Crown. But, yeah, I'd put that. That definitely be my honorable mentions. I just rewatched The Crown again uh, about two months ago. And For Princess Margaret. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I think it was I watched. Okay. I watched The Crown. Season two, Princess Margaret storyline is. I love it. Vanessa Kirby is outstanding in it. Uh, then she was in Mission Impossible Fallout. I bought Mission Impossible Fallout, watched it, got the Vanessa Kirby again, and was like, okay, time to rewatch The Crown. Okay. Um, the Crown. The Crown. The end of the first season of The Crown. Uh, pacing, build up, where it leaves you off uh, is one of my favorite season finales of all time. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I it's just it's just good. Like watch, yeah. watching it again, I was like, I forgot how fucking perfect this is. Yeah, I need to go back and watch that because I've only seen it the one time. I actually enjoy, I enjoyed it more the second time. Okay, so. Okay, adding so, adding that's uh, adding a crown rewatch to my queue. There you go. So I had the crown. Um, I had the newsroom and Sherlock on here. Okay. I had, uh, had Luther. Luther's an honorable mention. Uh, so True Detective. I'm not all the way caught up. Yeah. The first season's. I, it's I mean, up there. I mean, it's good. The second season is just so bad. Ugh, it's still the thing with yeah the second season it's like all right it's confusing and then it gets up and then it gets to like episode six and seven it's like okay they're finally getting there and then the finale was just such a dud the finale should have been the first episode mm, and then it should have been flashbacks to how we get there that would have been interesting so the first five episodes are how we got here and the next five are where we go from there yeah, so there's like two That's good episodes. That's my hot take. That show. Yeah. Boom. Whoa. Hot takes. Hot takes were ordered and yeah. they have been delivered. Um, yeah, that show had, I mean, season two had two good episodes. Have you watched any of season three? I have not yet. Yeah, I was waiting for it to end. It's yep. over and I'll probably go back and binge it. Um, some of the honorable mentions I had, like you said, I, I mentioned Fargo already. Luther is one of them. Stranger Things. Okay. I mean, it's still very early in its run. We've only seen two seasons out of it. I'm not sure how long it's going to end up going. Um, but I thought it, and that has been an excellent show. It's, I think Netflix's best show. Netflix is definitely quantity over quality. Oh, it's that you think That's it's Netflix, you think it's Netflix's best? Um, 
now the crown's probably the best. <laughs> okay. It's fine. It's a... Okay, Stranger Things is up there, though. Um, <laughs> it's, it's certainly its most popular and its biggest yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mr. Robot's another good show. The first season was amazing. Second season was a little, like, wasn't as great. And then third season got back to it. That show is ending. Yeah. That show. I'm never going to watch that show. Why as not? of at oh, this moment, I'm never going to watch of, it. Because, because of, of Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, correct. Not even because of fucking uh, whatever it, his face is. Remy Malik. Not because of him. Just because of the movie. Just because of Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, and then I have Bodyguard. Okay. I have not watched it. It is... Six episodes long. It's only six episodes? Yeah, it's it's good. I'm going to go it's ahead. It's six and, episodes. I'm going to go ahead and pencil that yeah. into my queue. I've already... I've already watched that twice. Definitely, definitely go watch for that. Twice? One. Well, yeah. Well, I watch it, and then Peter wanted to watch it, and so I rewatched it. Shout out to Peter, by the way. Um, there you go. For letting me use his headphones. Yeah. <laughs> they're not the best headphones in the world. No, they're very big. Um. So, uh, I think, uh, from what I've seen, I haven't seen all of it. Black Mirror, um, is definitely something different yeah but i think for what it's doing and where it's succeeded it's very impressive yeah and i mean with that type of show there's going to be episodes that are meh yeah but there's some really really powerful episodes which we've talked about on this podcast oh a, a, another another weird show because like honestly we could have done this is our top five favorite tv shows from the past 10 years um, yeah but another show recently uh, that I've watched, I know you haven't watched it yet, uh, Feud, Betty and Joan on FX. Okay. Um, which was about uh, Betty Davis and Jane Crawford during uh, during their career. Right. Uh, it, I, I loved it. Yeah. It's a weird one. It's mm-hmm. like it was just like okay, uh, FX is putting just good things out. Everything they put out is is good. Um, so it's right. kind of like at this time, let me see what else they have. And this show came up, came up, and I saw the trailer for it. And I was like, okay, I'm I'm in on that. This is a uh, a show about Hollywood, and I mean that's just the premise. Like they. Talked about they were going to do a second season, which was going to be Charles and Diana. And apparently okay. they're not doing that anymore. I don't think it's canceled. I just don't know if they. They're like, OK, well, the crown's so good. We're not going to be able to copy that. Let's do something else. I mean, they could have canceled it. What do I Let's see. Did they cancel? Yeah. Shit? <laughs> um, is that is that an hour long show? Hour long show. OK. Is it is it a comedy? Would you call it a comedy or. I don't... But it's just an hour long or. Because I was, I had one of my shows that I was thinking about an hour long. What show? The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. That's a comedy. I don't know if it's a comedy. I haven't watched it. <laughs> I mean, it's, she plays a comedian on it, but it's a, it's a 60 minute, so I saved it. I would put a, a good, baby in my. And a, yeah, and so a comedic might, one? Yeah, I don't, you know, it's, it's, this is not, from what I've seen of that show, I mean, this is not a, it's not a comedy. Okay. It's, um, but I mean, Golden Globe nominations for Jessica Lange, Susan Sarandon, uh, for the limited series, and for Alfred Molina. 
Okay, so yeah. All right. Um it was I don't it was just it was just good. It's only 8 episodes. Yeah. Um I think it finished really strong. Yeah. Uh but that's definitely something that I know there's not a lot of people I talk to that are like, "Oh my god, yeah, Feud Betty and Joan was my shit." <laughs> you you were like that. You were absolutely like that. I was com- an, I was yeah. so sold on Betty and Joan. Yeah. And it's an FX show, so you're all in well, on look that. Look at American Crime Story. I was thinking about that too. That's another show that I mean, I haven't seen the second season, but I mean, the first season I, fucks. Yeah, first season it, is crazy good. Yeah. Um. So what? Like, so what are some of these shows? What? Sh- what are some of the shows we want to talk about for for this miniseries? For the, the mi- for the miniseries, yeah. I think I think um, I would like to talk about the finale of the Nick. Yeah, I was getting vibes on that. International Assassin, greatest single TV episode of all time. Of course. I'm all in on that. Um, I'm trying to think of, of where in Broadchurch I would go. Yeah, that's the thing. Broadchurch, I love Broadchurch. I like it more as the entire show. I can't pick one episode that like stands out to me. Um... But I think Battle of the Bastards is another episode I would like to cover. Yeah, I think that that works. Um, what else? I had a couple written down. Battle of Bastards, Hard Home. Hard Home's another good one. Scandal of Belgravia from Sherlock. From Sherlock, I'll take that. Um, I'm trying to think of... If Teddy we, Perkins. Yeah. Teddy Perkins for sure. Teddy, yeah, that's a definite. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think for Fargo. I would go somewhere second season, maybe the finale. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, there's some other ones. I think we should talk about maybe get Sal on the pod, do the contest. Yeah. Yeah, that's definite. He's always wanted to come on and talk Seinfeld, so I'm always down for that. Yeah, there's a couple. I mean, like the Good Place season one finale is, an, is another episode I would like to maybe talk about. Is that the one where they're on the? Uh, what's the one where they're on the monorail? Where they're on the? Oh, that's that's yeah, that's, that's like my season sing- two, that's episode my, five. It's my single favorite episode of that show. The trolley problem. That's an, that was another one. There's two episodes, like the finale of season one, mm-hmm. and then the trolley problem. Probably my two favorite. Yeah. So I think we have a lot to. I think we have a lot to choose from. Yeah. Here, but this and, is our this is our starting point. Yeah, we are reaching the two hour mark. Wow! So I'm going to wow. cut both of us off. Okay, fair. And so, since this is also about film and television, and also cues and cues and banter, and banter. Um, I'm going to suggest a this idea of double feature. Okay. Two movies I think pair together nicely. Um, there's not really much of a criteria for it. If you think they pair no. together nicely, they pair together nicely. Right. Um, I think you could take a serious route with this, or you could go, you, know, you really go wherever you want. But uh, I just find it trying to clear my cue out, trying to watch stuff every now and then. You'll know, all watch a movie, and then I'm like, okay, that put me in the mood to watch something similar, so let me try and find it. Uh, so. The one I'm going to 
I'm the one I'm going to give now is somewhere where I think I succeeded. Okay. Um, so give me the first one. The double this double feature is growing up in Florida is a nightmare. Oh. Double feature. Ooh, let me think. Let me. Oh, let me think. I know one of them. I know the first one because you just watched it. Okay. Is that the first one or is that the second one? What that, you have is you should, that yeah, would be the you, that would be the the second one. Okay. Growing up in Florida is a nightmare. Um, what was what is the first one? I have no idea what the first one could be. Fucking Moonlight. Oh my gosh! Okay, Moonlight, which I was completely blinded on it because it is in my double feature suggestion. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Moonlight. Uh, and I would pu- I would put Moonlight and the Florida Project. The Florida Project on there. Okay, so I just recently watched La La Land. Okay. And I always every, every time after I watch La La Land, I always am in the desire to okay, now's time to watch Moonlight because of the history that those two will always in my mind will always be intertwined together, considering what happened at the Oscars that year. So there you go. You did. You have the the old razzle dazzle double feature. Classic Rope-A-Dope. That's it. So you watch La La Land, then you watch Moonlight, then you watch The Florida Florida Project. (laughs) Trust me, (laughs) you're going to feel very different if you watch. Don't watch La La Land first. Well, I already did. I already watched it the other day. (laughs) So I'll watch Moonlight, (laughs) and I'll get more and more. Yes, but I, 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 I I would highly suggest all three of those films. In this voice. Want to take another look I don't at know. <laughs> the Florida. I, I I've seen Moonlight before. Um, yeah, and I was actually about to watch Moonlight again, but the colors on the Moonlight poster kind of similar to the color scheme they got going on on the the picture that was showing up for the Florida Project in the purple so motel. Yeah, so and I'm like, let me get into this. And my God, how good is Willem Dafoe in that movie? He's he's as like okay. So my letterbox review for the Florida Project is. I've been to Florida. This is a documentary. Like it's like I stay like when we like Cocoa Beach, you came down this this year. It's like it's obviously nicer than this place. But this like motel in Cocoa Beach you stay at, it has a Willem Dafoe. It does. His name is Art. (laughs) And it's like Art. This is fucking broken. And Art spends all day trying to fix that shit. Yeah. I mean, he's what he's. He's what? How did you describe it in your review? I'm, I'm finding my review right now because I actually mentioned it on the Oscars episode because I compared it to you compared it you, to uh, the, Gary Oldman. Yeah, so I'm I'm pulling it up right now. I tried to pull it up quicker, but my computer is the worst. Do to do, but yeah, I mean, oh, that movie is. It, it feels like being in the the weird seedy parts of, of Florida when you're like not right inside at, Disney. Yeah, and it's... I mean, I was like... Yeah, the, the, I mean, and I love the end of that movie. Yeah. And I have... where did I, Where's my review? I have it somewhere. Sheesh. I'm going to find your review first, and I'm going to read it. Yeah, it'll be easier for you to find my review. I have to go back in my diary. Or you could just... Okay. 
So your review was, in the year that Gary Oldman won Best Actor in a role that required him to change physically, Willem Dafoe delivers a superb performance and did what Oldman didn't. Make you look at his character and be unable to picture him as any other person than the one standing in front of you without altering his appearance. He's perfect in that movie. Uh, yeah, that's that's we're, that's my double feature. We're pretty much in the midst of a... Uh, uh, it's a Willem Bonasas. A Defonasas? A Defonasas. <laughs> we are in. We are in the Defonasas right now. He was not. Uh, what? Uh, at Eternity's Gate was it this this past year? He plays this past Mr. year. Bingo. Yeah, I mean, he's also Florida Project. He's yeah. He's a uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. The Defonasas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not like he wasn't like. I mean, he was like the main villain in Spider Man. It was a pretty fucking big movie. Like, people right. know who Willem Dafoe is, but, like, yeah, he's definitely hitting, like, a stride right now. Yeah, where he's just in, the, like, he's in some really good... He was in what? Was he in, uh... He's in John Wick 1? Yes, he is in John Wick, Wick 1. For about yeah. five seconds. Yeah. He was in Aquaman. With my boy. You mean my man. <laughs> my man. Oh, with Patrick Wilson. Yeah, Patrick Wilson. My guy. You know that Patrick Wilson was on some, some like, terrible sitcom. Was he? Yeah, when we lived in Philly and, like, we had the bunny ears, so it was, like, it like <laughs> three channels because we were, like, broke art students. Right. And we watched this show that he was on. And the show was, I mean, I think they aired, like, six episodes. It was pretty fucking bad. But I feel what like I've been—I feel like I've been riding with my guy. I yeah. Think it's called... Well, what? We'll continue. It was called what? I'm looking for it. Never forget, Jeremy Renner was on a ABC detective show called The Unusuals with like Amber Tamblin and Adam Goldberg. Okay, go look. Do you have it where you can look at The Unusuals right now? Yeah. See who the creator of that show is. It's Noah Hawley. Oh, there you go. Fargo. Okay. Fargo. There you go. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, why have I just seen this recently? Yeah, because I, I remember actually looking at it. I was like, oh, crap. The, apparently, the show was well-reviewed. It just didn't last. It was like one of those replacement shows, and okay. it just did not last. A, is it a gifted man? That's it. Centers on an ultra surgeon. Yeah. Oh my god, a top-notch surgeon is visited by his ex-wife's ghost? <laughs> yeah, we watched that shit. <laughs> and, like, struggle and doubts in it. Margot <laughs> Martindale. <laughs> diet and, and down light. And diet caffeine-free Liam Schreiber's, <laughs> a.k.a. his brother, Pablo. No, is that his brother? It has to be. He looks just like him, and his last name is Schreiber. How Let's many see. Schreibers are there in Hollywood? Let's see who else's career did the show launch. Uh, Fun fact: Jennifer Lawrence was on the Bill Engvall show on TBS. Oh, really? Yeah, and then she also played a mascot in an episode of Monk. Yes, I high school. I've seen that one before. Yeah, yeah. She was <laughs> she was on the Bill Engvall show. That show sucks. Is that one? Is it? Yeah. Does, like I can't, I can't even had, find it. What the Bill Engvall show? Yeah. Because America is still trying to fucking forget about it. <laughs> Just like Larry the Cable Guy who just made a fucking resurgence. 
Did he? Yeah. That's good. He didn't actually make a resurgence. He fucking tweeted something stupid. Like, him, oh. like put it like this. That's how you, put like mean, that's this. How you make a resurgence. Now. Larry the Cable Guy had a Twitter conversation with James Woods. So, I mean, like. Oh, boy. And then was retweeted by the president, I believe. Like, that's where we, oh gosh. like. Well, think, oh, my gosh. Well, Larry the Cable Guy, he's. He broke Pixar. Pixar was making great movies, and they're like, hey, you know what? Let's make a Cars 2, but focus it on Mater. Yeah, and let's also... Isn't fucking Dane Cook in those movies? He plays a plane, he's, and then he got a spinoff. That was not Pixar, but it was Disney. He sucks. He's Fuck making him. a resurgence now, too. I'm, Dave Cook. I'm, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I wonder what he's going to say. He's going to be... You know what he's going to be? He's going to be like fucking Joe Rogan. Yeah, he'll say something, and then he'll scream it. Well, that's what he's going to do. He's going to say something, and then he's going to yell it. Here's the yeah. thing. I've never laughed at a Dane Cook stand-up. And when I was in high school is when he was, like, huge. So I was like, okay, yeah. I'm just being a dick. Let me watch it. And I didn't laugh. But, you know, it makes me laugh more than anything. People doing impressions of Dane Cook. They could even say <laughs> his material, and it makes me yeah. laugh. There oh, was, my gosh. I think on Mad TV, there was a guy that did a Dane Cook impression. It was hilarious <laughs> it was and, and when dane cook does a dane cook impression it is it's terrible hilarious. but that's that's all he's gonna be yeah he's gonna be like oh people are political correct these days and i'm all like he's gonna yell something that's like offensive <laughs> people are gonna be like yeah dane cook standing up to the system could you oh imagine watching dane cook to own the libs uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh are you seeing us this weekend uh yeah, I'm gonna try and go Friday night. Okay, I think I'll, we got tickets. We're seeing it. We're seeing it tomorrow. Oh no, yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow's yeah, Thursday. Yeah, seeing yeah, seen it tomorrow, eight o'clock. There's a chance. I gotta see like where it's showing. Like yeah. When is Ilto open again? Ilto is supposed to open by the end of the month. They wanted to open by the beginning of the month and they didn't. Mm. Um, can't wait. It's more or less. It's one of those things where it's like I love going to see a movie when it opens. Yeah. But sometimes seeing a horror movie when it opens, it's kind of like a nightmare. It's like loud and crowded in the theater. Oh, that's true. You know what I mean? And like, I kind of want to pay attention a little bit. Yeah. Maybe we'll just have to see it twice. But yeah, that's that will be the next movie I see in the theater. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, well, that's our episode, right? I mean, that's we're launching our miniseries, Best Episodes of TV. We're going to come out, we'll probably tweet out and post Instagram a list of the movies that we will do in the order that we want to do them. Also, apparently we're going to be doing uh, bad movie episodes. Yeah. I mean, I figured, I figured not only, I mean, might as well watch something bad and like talk about why. I don't know. Watch Polar. Watch Polar on Netflix. I know. That's what Yeah, Todd said. Watch Polar. Would you explain Polar? It sounds like a fucking nightmare. It is a nightmare. So I'll have to nightmare. I'll have to try and sit through Polar, and then we can talk about Polar. Well, it was actually it was Nick, it was Nick that requested it because was it? yeah, because Kate was talking about it, and she said she liked it, and I said I gave that movie on Letterboxd a half star review because I couldn't give it anything lower. Yeah, the movie's supposed to be bad. Yeah. Ugh. So I mean, we got a lot to do. We'll figure out what we're doing eventually. Yeah. But until the next time, uh, please comment, rate, like, subscribe, share. Um, follow us on Twitter at Q the Banter, Instagram at Q the Banter. 
Look for us on Anchor and Apple Podcasts. We're going to post when we get onto Spotify and any other uh, podcasting platform. And also look out for some polls. We'll probably poll some things related to what we're going to talk about. Uh, But I think for now we're pretty much set on the best episodes of TV. So we'll release that list so you can go and watch or rewatch any uh, sort of any any of the shows that we have planned, and uh, I'm excited. This is going to be a cool little miniseries. Yeah, so this do. is going to be good. So yeah. until next time, signing off. Uh, I don't know. What do you say? Uh, the end of a podcast. Uh, Arrivederci. Hmm. Uh,